Showtime with your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Hey, Coach McCartan, Danielle McCartan back at you for Spring 2017, Episode 11 of 60 Minute Overtime. Great guests on for today. Uh, two NFL current NFL players, Jason McCourty and Devin McCourty. They'll be on with us a little bit later. Uh, obviously, Jason is from the Tennessee Titans. Devin McCourty just won the Super Bowl with the <laughs> New England Patriots. And, yes, I'm wearing a New England Patriots hat today. Someone's asking me already on on Periscope, where is my Jets hat? Uh, actually, I had it on. <laughs> to be quite honest, I had it on. And then I switched it out for this one in honor of Devin McCourty. So that's uh, that's coming up a little bit later. Topics for today, we can get right into it. Sitting star players. Sitting your star players. Next, we're going to talk about the New York Jets flight plan at quarterback. I'll talk about their plan or, or lack thereof, I think. Uh, we'll talk about a, a charity event that I had gone to, which is the McCourty's charity event. Uh, NFL's annual Winter meetings are tomorrow in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm not sure if they're winter, but they're, the annual meetings are tomorrow in Phoenix, Arizona. We are expecting a vote on the Las Vegas Raiders. And finally, today we'll wrap up with, well, I have my what the F story of the day. That's if the final topic. And then we'll talk a little bit about the World Baseball Classic and open forum on that. Anything you want to talk about on the World Baseball Classic. So again, sitting star players, New York Jets flight plan at quarterback. Uh, I'll talk about the charity event, the NFL meeting tomorrow. And the World Baseball Classic. If you have anything that you want to add to the conversation, here's a call-in number. Got something to say? Call the studio. 201-825-1234. Where can you find the rest of my work? Well, first of all, prosportsrundown.com is going to be your central hub for everything. Twitter, at Coach McCartan. For those of you guys on Twitter right now, Hi. Uh, YouTube, so search Coach Space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Uploaded two brand new videos last night. One should be coming either later today or more most likely tomorrow. That's my inter- Mohamed Sanu. Uh, tune in radio, 60-minute overtime. iTunes podcast on demand. Coach McCartan, search there. Play.google.com. Coach McCartan also there too. And SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. I did put up two audio interviews last night. And I, like I said, another one's coming either later today or tomorrow. Probably tomorrow. Uh, video simulcast right now on Facebook Live. Hi, everybody on Facebook Live and on Periscope. Hello to everybody over there on Periscope. And uh, live, 90.3 FM, WRPR, Mawa. So let's get right into it. Sitting players. First, let's hear from an ESPN press conference, well, informal in the locker room uh, talk that ESPN had with King James after some controversy came from uh, from his game on, I think it was March 19th. Here it is. But I don't see behind that. I don't understand why it's become a problem now because I'm because I started to sit out a couple of games. Yeah, it is the case. It's, it's, it's absolutely the case. Come on, man. Come on, man. You guys know the real. Listen, Pop been doing this for 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, and everybody was like, you know what? That's the smartest thing Papa's ever done. You know, give us guys a couple games off and here they go, five championships. It's the smartest thing. You know, but some of our coaches in our league don't have the stature that Papa has. And our, and our head coach doesn't have it, so he gets killed for it. You know, 
So, you know, I got to keep winning to help my coach be able to have a reason why he can send his players. But I mean, at the end of the day, I've played through injuries my whole career. So, you know, I deserve to get a game every now and then. Well, me? I don't want to start that. I don't want to start that conversation. I'm held to a different set of rules. Because I'm not, I mean, I'm one of, I don't know how many guys we got in the league today, 450 maybe. Uh, I just know the conversation gets a little bit more talked about when, I, when I'm a part of it. So this conversation started with LeBron James, the Cleveland Cavaliers, sitting LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love, all in the same game. Prime time, on televised, nationally game. And those are the three, the big three. LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving. They all sat the game out. And not only that, the last time I came on here and talked about LeBron James sitting a game out, he was playing the water bottle flip game. You know, for those of you guys watching, I could show you. It's when you take a, a quarter full water bottle, mine's a little more full than that, and you flip it like that, and you try to make it land upright. He was playing that game on the bench while his team was still playing, which I thought was reprehensible. Came on here and said that. Especially the fact that since the water bottle was going onto the court, right? So now you got three guys, the big three, they're sitting out a nationally televised game. Does that not sound like a staged protest to me? And not only that, they're not playing the water bottle game this time. They're getting coffee delivered to them on the bench while the game is going on. Yes, they might as well be sitting in a luxury box. Don't you think? You're getting waiter service on, on the bench. It's reprehensible. And someone on Periscope just said it's not fair to the fan. Well, you know what? Let me present you both sides. Let's see. Before we take sides, let's, let's think about this. And uh, when LeBron says it's uh, absolutely not the case, that it's a, that's a... That's a Someone said, well, it's not you. Absolutely, it's not the case. We all know that you, LeBron, kid, kids look up to him. Kids have his jerseys. He, that is absolutely the case. He should be setting a good example for the rest of the kids and the rest of the youth watching them, especially on national TV. But anyway, here's a present, presentation of both sides. Pro, resting players. First of all, the Cleveland Cavaliers are entering the playoffs. So what does the regular season matter when you have playoff basketball to play? Any coach would tell you that. They're going to rest their players. We've seen it. Baseball and all other sports. Okay? Second point. Pro. Resting players. That basketball is a taxing game. It's a physical game. Baseball is a taxing game in the sense that it's a long season. So they rest players for that reason. And players typically in baseball are a little bit older. Football is a taxing game because they play each and every week. But even on a short schedule, though, I have to point out, even on a short schedule... Like, for example, a Sunday game, Sunday afternoon game, followed by a Thursday night game. If you're playing in both, these guys are playing. They're not asking to be taken out. Cons. First of all, the fans pay to see their player play. Unfortunately for the NBA, the NBA, National Basketball Association, markets the not the team. They market just the stars of the team. So that you see, with the, you're not going to see the Cavaliers play. You're going to see LeBron James play. You're going to see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love play. That's how they market their players. 
someone says that the commissioner needs to fix the schedule and get rid of back-to-back games. I think they're trying to do that with the travel day. That's kind of what it is. But I think that they need to change the whole marketing perspective of this. You can't be about the, – the NBA is so about one particular player that if that player doesn't play, people are upset. They have to market the team, storylines of the team, not individual players on the team. And we've seen that every time someone, a new player, goes to a new team, they end up winning a championship. Why? Because the NBA is so player, individual player focused, not team focused. So when fans come, pay lots of money, courtside seats, even to see their player play, unfortunately, that doesn't always work out. Especially you have to keep in in mind out-of-town fans. I can see if you live in and around Cleveland and you can get to a, a Cavaliers game you know, every, I don't know, month, week, and you can get to see your guys play during the, the course of the season. But think about the out-of-town fans. Like the, a team like the Cavaliers, they have fans all over the, the United States because they're good and around the world. Basketball is a very world sport. So knowing all of this, why can't the coaches just give these guys like a quarter's worth of work or a couple minutes or give them the start, take them out? Just so the people get what they want. I'm sure the players don't want that. But listen, let's be honest. They're going to be sitting anyway. I mean, it's either play a full game or sit. Why don't you just play four or five minutes and then take a rest? So everybody's people are still going to be upset, but at least they, they came all the way to Cleveland. All the bandwagon fans are coming all the way to Cleveland, and they're going to get to see at least a little bit of what they want. I'm sort of looking for a compromise here because LeBron says he doesn't want to get into the conversation of that he's added he's held to different standards but you know what he is but he really is though so in my opinion this is not a lebron thing this is not a cavalier thing right and then someone just said can they rest one player one day and another player another day yes that's exactly what i was going to say this is not just a lebron thing people would have been happy to see kyrie irving play or kevin love play it was the fact that it was all three of them at one time is what made people upset And I agree with that. Listen, what I just got done saying, that the NBA is marketing individual players here and there, not the whole team. And 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 three of your guys, like even if LeBron James is your number one, but he's not playing, I mean, you're you're annoyed. You're a little irked, but you know what? At least you get to see him on the bench. Then Kyrie Irving's your number two. He's not playing either. And then, okay, we'll see Kevin Love, but he's not playing either. So the fact that it was all three players... Not that it was LeBron, but the fact that it was all three of them at the same time is what made this into a big story. NFL stopped players sitting by adding division games at the end of the season. Yes, that's a great idea. That's an excellent idea. But also, too, you have to think about the fact that the NFL only has a 17-week season, which is 16 games. Like The NBA has a much longer season than 16 games. Inherently, the NFL schedule, the NFL games are more important on a daily basis than the NBA games. And even less so on a daily basis are baseball games, 162-game season. That could be one suggestion, yes, to put the more important games at the end of the season like the NFL does. All the divisional matchups come at the end of the season. Everybody was expecting the Jets to make the playoffs this year after what they had done last year. And how the NFL scheduled that was... At the end of last season, the Jets missed the playoffs because they lost the, to the Buffalo Bills. So naturally, as a scheduler, you're going to schedule the Jets versus the Bills on January 1st of this year. In that sense, 
that's a good suggestion. That's one of the good, the good suggestions coming out of here. But you have to understand that unless you shorten the season, it may or may not even mean anything, just as the Jets' bills didn't mean anything this year. But the main point of this issue is that it was all three of them at the same time. That's why people got annoyed. And by the way, why does LeBron even need a day off? He doesn't even play defense. He plays half a game as it is. He just plays offense. <laughs> Listen, you go to Broadway. You go to see a show on Broadway. Ends up that you're seeing an understudy. It happens. It happens sometimes. And you just deal with it. Uh, to be fair, I think LeBron is the one player that deserves the rest. He's played more than six straight finals. Come on, how did he get to all those finals? Not by playing defense, I'll tell you that much. He plays half a game. Guy plays half a game. There's no way NBA is shortening season because too much money will be lost, obviously. And herein lies the problem, right? Herein lies the problem. So Broadway, you go see an understudy, it just happens. You have to understand that. I've been plenty I've been to plenty of Yankee games where Derek Jeter has sat the bench that game or A Rod hasn't played for, for due to rest. But again, I live locally, so I can see them at any point in time. If I came from all across the country to see Jeter or A Rod and they weren't playing it's the same issue. Give him an inning. Give him the start, then pull him. I think that's a that's a compromise. But then again, on the other hand, I just brought up Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter never wanted to come out of a game, ever. Ever. The other side of this is why are legends even asking to come out of a game to sit out? Obviously, people are going to say that LeBron and, and Love and Irving, they didn't ask to sit out that game. They were told they were going to sit out that game. Okay. Does anybody believe that? Legends shouldn't be asking to sit out. People are going to say, obviously, that the, those three guys didn't ask. But the fact of the matter is that three of them sat out at the same time. I don't think that's um, a coincidence. Do you think that's a coincidence? Do you think the NBA should give incentives to rewards teams who don't sit? Um, I think that's a good question, but I don't know what kind of reward you're talking about. Monetary reward? Because, uh, let's be honest, everybody is driven by money, but no, I, I don't think so, because it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing to do to sit a player in a, uh, once in a while, especially with the playoffs coming up. You're not playing for the regular season. You're playing for the playoffs. And the fact that this was a nationally televised game and all three of them sat out seems to me like that, that was an organized protest to get this conversation started. These guys aren't dumb, you know. I'm not, I, I don't know how to fix the problem. I'm not getting paid the millions of dollars to do it. But the fact is that when you have three of your big name players sitting out on a nationally televised game, you got some issues. And, and again, if you are a real legend, you shouldn't be wanting to sit out games. I'm sorry, Derek Jeter never wanted to. And the NFL actually had to develop a concussion protocol to make sure that guys came out of the game when they were injured, playing through injury. They had to develop the protocol to get them to sit out. So you can't tell me that these guys playing these disrespectful games on the bench and, and not paying attention to their team and just being a complete and utter distraction to their team, this has to be fixed. So again, 201-825-1234 if you want to weigh in on that. Muhammad Wilkerson. You're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on 90.3 FM. Come one, come all to the New York Jets Circus. Live from Florham Park, New Jersey. 
the New York Jets have done it again, week after week. I'm going to fo- feature a poach, po- feature a post on my website, prosportsrundown.com, of what is the New York Jets flight plan. See that? See what I did there? This today, this week, we're going to talk about the quarterback edition. Okay, here it goes. Last month. The New York Jets bid farewell to journeyman veteran quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick after two seasons of work. Then the New York Jets general manager signed Cleveland Browns quarterback of two years, Josh McCown. It's a one-year deal worth $6 million. And let's follow McCagney's logic, okay? Let's, Let's just see how he thought this through. Let's sign another mediocre journeyman quarterback from the worst team in the league, in order to make your team better. That makes total sense. In case you're curious, I did take a look at how uh, McCown's statistics stacked up against uh, Fitzpatrick's stats over the past two years. Now, McCown had been with um, with the Cleveland Browns for the same amount of time that Ryan Fitzpatrick had been with the New York Jets so for two seasons. So over the past two seasons, let's just see this. Completion percentage, 58.1% for Ryan Fitzpatrick. 59.1%. Josh McCown, that's a wash. Number of yards, 33.07 to Josh McCown's 16.04. Okay, you have to also take into consideration that Ryan Fitzpatrick had Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall set a record-setting year. And this is, by the way, over the two seasons, averages for the two seasons that they were with their respective teams. Now, McCown didn't have much to work with over there in Cleveland. As I said, they were the worst team in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick had at least had a little talent on the outside to work with. Touchdowns, Fitzpatrick threw 21.5. McCown threw 9 Interceptions, Fitzpatrick, 5.3. Average, McCown, 5. That's a wash. Rating, quarterback rating, 78.8. And Josh McCown, 82.8. Someone said, do you want Deshaun Watson to go to the Jets? No, no, no. And if you follow my work, you could see, you would know that I, I truly believe that the offensive line is the key to the Jets. So we're looking at Fitzpatrick and McCown. They are uh, the same or just as close to the same as you could possibly get. So you're going to replace one guy with another guy that's exactly the same in order to get better. I just don't get it. I don't understand. I really don't get it. Listen, you have two quarterbacks on your roster, Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg. Bryce Petty hasn't given a fair shake just yet, in my honest opinion. And if he hasn't gotten a fair shake, Christian Hackenberg hasn't either. The poor guy has not taken a first-team rep in practice yet. I say it on here every week. Every week I say it. Why don't you just try what you have? before you go out and get what you don't know if you're going to need or not. I just don't understand. And yet, the Jets are still doing this 
courtship with the quarterback Mitchell Trubisky from the draft. He's from the University of North Carolina. The Jets attended his, his, his uh, meetings at the NFL Scouting Combine, which was like a, week, a month ago. They attended his pro day. They scheduled a private workout with him. Three dates. That's pretty serious. So if, if in-house competition is what the Jets are going after, fine. But they're doing this all wrong. This is a recipe for another quarterback controversy with the New York Jets. Because remember in the 2016 draft, McCagnan chose Christian Hackenberg in the second round. 51st overall pick from Penn State. The poor kid hasn't even seen the first team practice squad. So the only way the Jets should go after a quarterback is if they're 100% sure he will play every single snap. Like a Carson Wentz situation, if you will. If not, no thanks. Pass up on them. The Jets don't need another project, especially since they let go eight or nine of their veterans in the locker room. (laughs) Someone said the Jets are going to draft three quarterbacks this year and they're all going to be bust. Obviously being facetious, but maybe not. Maybe Trubisky is going to be wearing the Jets uniform. But the most concerning to me is the fact that out of the seven or eight or nine purge cuts that the Jets had, Three were offensive linemen. Five play on a line at the same time. Six, sometimes seven if you want to bring in a tight end or a wide receiver on the line. But three of your cuts were offensive linemen. I don't care if you have Tom Brady in the backfield throwing the ball. If you have Tom Brady back there, but he's got nobody to stop the defense from coming at him, he is not even going to be successful. Again, You need to build out from the offensive line out, just like the Titans did in the draft. Go to the draft, draft an offensive lineman. You worked for the sixth pick all season long. (laughs) Tight end. The Jets haven't had a tight end in, uh, ever. Well, they've had them. They just don't know how to utilize them. They've had Jason Morrow. I thought he was pretty good. They have Jeff Cumberland, who's doing well currently still in the NFL. They just don't know how to use them. Poor management, right? The Jets' only hope is bringing Tebow back? Oh, no. Oh, no. No, Tebow's playing baseball. Tebow is playing baseball. So, listen, the Jets are in trouble, and if they are, I don't know if it's a bluff or not. See, that that could be a bluff meeting with Trubinsky. Trubisky, I don't know, but I hope it is. Because if they go out and get another quarterback, I don't know how much more I can stomach. <laughs> really? I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. You have three, two, two projects on your roster right now. And what, okay, what happens? They're going to start Petty or they're going to start Hackenberg, right? As soon as they make mistakes, they're going to be calling for McCown to come in, the veteran McCown, even though he's equal to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Have we heard that narrative before? Haven't we heard that narrative before? Right? Geno Smith signs with the Giants. Good riddance. Good luck. Take a a pen and a paper and start learning. But, I mean, this is just unbelievable. Uh, I I don't hate the McCown signing, but I do. Because you know why? They're going to not do it the right way. They're going to start him. He's going to stink. They're going to bring in who? Petty or or Hackenberg. Then they're really going to tank the season. So why don't you just go out 
and see, I'm, I'm a, I'm a. People say in the NFL draft you should go out after the best players on the board. I don't believe in that theory. I think you need to go out and go after the players that you need. Unless, of course, you're going to be trading that best player on the board for things that you need. Why would you draft a quarterback if you have a good quarterback? The Jets should bring Favre back. Now you are just being ridiculous. (laughs) How about they just bring Joe Namath back at this point in time? (laughs) So it's just a mess. They should steer clear of any quarterback in this draft, in my opinion. And uh, I like that guy Lamp, Forrest Lamp. He's the uh, offensive lineman that I wish the Jets would take in this draft. But anyway, so that that post will be dropping, uh, I, I want to say today. If not today, then definitely tomorrow. And uh, take a look at that. That's going to be on prosportsrundown.com. So this weekend I intended a, it was called Super Rally at the Alley. Uh, I put an event on, it was an event put on by Devin and Jason McCordy and Hamid Sanu. Uh, special thanks to Randy Zelia, who might be listening right now, of BackSportsPage.com for arranging that. And to Lunar Sports Group, Pat Capra, always a great host. And, of course, to Devin McCordy and Jason McCordy, who always invite us to everything that they do. And um, this is going to rhyme. And also to Mohamed Sanu for inviting us to, to what you do. Uh, this is This was a great event. It was also attended by Julio Jones. Yeah, Julio Jones. I got a photo with him. You might have seen that. I'll tweet that out. Uh, and the entire Rutgers football family. I did not get an interview with Julio Jones, but I did get to speak to Devin McCourty and Jason McCourty and Mohamed Sanu. Um, but not Julio Jones. Ah, that's okay, though. It was it was a cool event. Raised a lot of money for the Embrace Kids Foundation. Um, and I'm going to play for you right now my interview with first... Let's go with Jason McCourty first. We talked a lot about a lot of different things. They're great. They're they're very giving in the information that they give to me. Uh, I asked um, the impact of Marcus Mariota's broken leg. They, I mean, they were going to be going to the playoffs until Mariota breaks his leg in the game that De- uh, Jason McCourty also didn't play in because he was out for injury. And then Blake Bortles had the best game of his his life, his whole life, that game. And the Titans defense had probably one of the worst games that they had. So bad time for that. So I asked him about the defensive struggles when he's not in the lineup. Titans three-year rebuild is complete. What's it going to be like in the 2017 season for the Titans? Is it going to be an optimistic? I mean, the fans are optimistic. What is it like inside the locker room? Uh, Rutgers being the most represented at Super Bowl 51. Who were you rooting for? Obviously, I think you can imagine what he said for that one. And finally, for my Las Vegas audience, everybody watching from Las Vegas, I asked him on the concept of the Las Vegas Raiders, the impact Las Vegas would have on Oakland and, and the players playing in Las Vegas as the visiting team. That was a great, interesting answer and question I had given to him. So anybody in Las Vegas, listen up. We'll, we'll talk about a little bit about the vote coming very soon, um, coming tomorrow. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Okay, so here's myself, Daniel McCartan, and Jason McCourty from Bullmore Lanes in Manhattan. I'm Daniel McCartan, back with Jason McCourty again. This is, you're the only guy I've interviewed three times so far. So, I'm a lucky guy. You are. 
Um, so we're here at Bowmore Lanes in uh, Chelsea Piers, New York. Um, so listen, you've kept the Rutgers family quite tight, the football family quite tight over the years. What is it like to, to have such a, I looked at the guest list, I mean, it's crazy tonight. What is it like to have that kind of support? Man, it's awesome, you know, uh, just to get the guys to continue to come out and uh, give back. And this year is kind of a little bit more special, the super rally at the alley, you know, Brian, Deb, myself, Muhammad, uh, Mike Burton, all of us coming together to kind of create this. Uh, it's been a really cool experience, and I think that's kind of added to being able to have a bunch of names on the guest list. It's kind of different generations of Rutgers, so uh, I'm excited to get all the guys here and just have a ton of fun. And friends of Rutgers, too, now. Exactly, we're expanding. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Getting bigger each year. That's right. So now, listen, the Titans, pretty much playoff-bound season. Mariota goes down. What was the locker room like surrounding that? Was the air taken out? It was tough. You know, uh, yeah. I think uh, Mariota got hurt in the Jacksonville game, and uh, the loss to Jacksonville was kind of what ended our yeah. uh, postseason chances. So uh, overall, just definitely deflating uh, to have a season go the way it did for us after winning five games in two years and to come out and win nine games and almost be at the playoffs. So I think uh, when it was all said and done, you look back and you're proud of your accomplishments and how far you came. But in the moment, you're just disappointed because you knew you start thinking about all the games you kind of didn't finish well or different plays that if it would have happened the opposite way, you could have pulled those games out and the outcome would have been different. But uh, you're looking forward to the next season with a lot more hope uh, than we've had in the past. Yeah. Now, you hadn't played in that Jaguar game, right? No, I didn't. I didn't. So, like, we talked about this last time. The defense really struggles when, when you're not in it. Like, what have you been doing to, to – Make sure that you're in every single game, every single play. Man, I appreciate you saying that. No, but, seriously, uh, the stats are there. Uh, you try to, you just try to do everything you can to, uh, to stay healthy. And unfortunate for me, I got uh, kind of piled dry by one of those big linemen and uh, jacked my AC joint up in my uh, chest. But wasn't able to go, and it's just disappointing. You know, you you want to be out there with the guys, and as long as you're out there, even if you do lose, you feel like you kind of gave your share to be able to be part of it. And, uh, when you're not able to be out there playing, you feel like you let the guys down. So uh, just looking forward to this upcoming season and uh, being healthy and being out there and uh, doing everything I can to try to help us win as many games. Now, after we're looking at a three-year rebuild for the for the Titans, and what's the feeling inside the locker room? There's optimism among the fans. It, it, this might be the year. Definitely. You know, um, I think the biggest thing for us, uh, our GM and our head coach have done a great job, right. I would say, just combining and uh, allowing their thought process to transfer to the roster. And I think uh, that doesn't always happen around the league. And I think for us, uh, these past two years, you see a philosophy that Coach Malarkey has created. And you see John Robinson going out, getting players to fulfill that philosophy. And I think uh, for myself personally, it's a little exciting this year uh, adding Logan to our team, you know, another former Rutgers guy, a guy that I've trained with in the offseason. And obviously a guy whose resume speaks for himself, a two-time Super Bowl champ. So. Getting a guy like him, I think, will definitely help us out uh, on defense and just overall as a team. Now, Super Bowl, we're talking, Rutgers is most represented out of all the schools in the Super Bowl. Who are thank, you rooting for? Thanks, you got Sanu on one side. <laughs> thanks to Bill Belichick. Uh, for me, you know, it was easy. You know, when you have a brother, brother. playing, yeah. uh, it's easy to root for him. And uh, yeah. was happy they were able to win. Obviously excited for every place Sanu makes. And, uh, that's the one thing I, I can honestly say I'm not a fan of any team. And uh, you're more or less just watching guys, you know, turn on the TV, you see Sanu make a play, or Logan get an interception, or Deron or Kenny Britt, uh, you get excited to see guys that you know out there making plays. That's how I watch you. I'm like, hey, I know him. I know him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, if I can cover one current event with you, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, 
the vote is going to be Monday to move the Raiders to Vegas if they're going to vote either way or, or not. But what is your take on, on having a team out in Las Vegas? Do you think it's full of distractions? Are you one of those guys? What do you think? Um, to play against them, it sounds exciting, you know, right? to get a chance to go to Vegas. <laughs> I don't know um, I don't know how the wives of the players will feel uh, with the guys being in Vegas. But, you know, I think what sucks the most about just teams moving in general is just those fans in that city, you know. So uh, the Oakland fans losing the Raiders, a, 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 a history team um, that's been there for years. And you remember the Al Davis years and everything that's gone on there, the black hole and uh, what it's all about. The, uh, I even even my generation of playing, I've only played in Oakland once, and I still remember how the fans greeted us when we got there. So I yeah. think those type of traditions get lost when teams move, and I think that's the worst part of the whole thing. As a Titan, though, playing in Vegas, yay or nay? Yeah, who doesn't want to play in I Vegas? Know, as know. long as it's not the summertime. I'm ready to move out there. It's going to be <laughs> domed, I heard, this stadium. Okay, oh, that, yeah. well, then all the better. Yeah, sign right. me up. <laughs> all right, so I didn't want to keep you too long. This is your event. People are waiting for you. Appreciate I'm, I'm Danielle McCartan. Jason McCordian, and thanks. Have fun tonight. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. So that's right. The NFL could be waking up in Vegas. <laughs> yep. The NFL. The NFL annual league meeting is tomorrow, which means that the owners, the coaches, the general managers of all the NFL franchises are set to meet in Phoenix, Arizona, as Jason McCourty from the Titans just said, who doesn't want to play in Vegas? <laughs> who doesn't want to play football in Vegas, right? So after Bank of America stepped in to save the day after their major funding had gotten uh, lost along the line, the Raiders are expected to officially be confirmed to move to Las Vegas maybe tomorrow afternoon. 24 out of the 32 teams' owners need to vote yes. It seems as though they are going to vote yes. Uh, as I said on my website, prosportsrundown.com, I want to say about November I, I wrote about this, prosportsrundown.com. And I... I outlined all the different aspects that, that were needed to come together and listen... It looks like it's going to happen. Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones are on board. And I, I asked Devin McCourty about that, too. His owner is Robert Kraft. And he had an interesting take on that, too, about Las Vegas. But as Jason said, who doesn't want to play in Las Vegas? <laughs> I would love to see a game in Las Vegas. But if it does pass tomorrow, there's two ways that this can go. And obviously, there's other things on the agenda for these, this meeting, not just this. But if it does pass tomorrow... It can go two ways. It can pass tomorrow, or it could wait until I think the next meeting is in April that they meet again. I don't know. But if it does pass tomorrow, the Raiders are going to play the 2017 and 2018 seasons in Oakland, California, where they are now, in that dump that they're playing in now, the Coliseum. And in the 2019 season, they're going to be playing at UNLV Stadium uh, before the expected completion of the new Raiders Stadium in 2020. That's, that's when the move is thinking it's going to be happening is in 2020. So what they're going to be doing in those two years is they're going to be adding uh, ways, uh, making making the UNLV football stadium more accessible for an NFL crowd is what they're going to be doing during those two years. Then they'll be ready to move in in 2019. And then in 2020, that's it. Raiders are in Vegas. So tomorrow is the vote. 
Uh, Oakland did put together a last-ditch uh, effort to keep the team. Uh, reportedly, that wasn't strong enough. Uh, you get, someone says you're going to win. You're going to want to see them when they're four and twelve. Wrong. Not really though, because guess what? The Raiders are good, and they're going to be good for a long time. So this is a perfect opportunity, as I said in my in my article at ProSportsRundown.com, in more depth. But they've locked up Carr for a long time. The Raiders are good, and the Raiders are. If it's going to be any team, it's, I'm glad it's the Raiders that are going to go to Vegas, and and they're going to turn Vegas into a football town. Last week we talked to Steve Cofield from Cofield and Company on Las Vegas, ESPN Las Vegas, about the the possibility of Vegas being the next professional sports town. And guess what? It is. It is. Because we have the Golden Knights hockey team moving there. And I think that sort of paved the way for the football program to go there as well. Because someone needed to make a move first. Talk to me in 10 years. Okay, talk to you in 10 years. Raiders are going to win two Super Bowls in 10 years. Oh, yeah. That's it. Write it down. So Oakland's last-ditch effort to keep the team was not strong enough. Listen, they have a dump of a stadium. Who cares if it's home field advantage or not, someone just said. It's a dump. The toilets overflow on a weekly basis in that place. They play baseball uh, too, as well there. Home field advantage, I don't know what you're talking about because they put on the uh, upper, upper level of the stadium, the upper bowl. They call it the Davis Bowl or something like that. They don't even sell it. They don't even sell those tickets. So you have a stadium that with a gigantic capacity, and they don't even—they can't even sell those tickets. I mean, what what are you talking about? Home field advantage? There's an infield. There's infield dirt on the field. If that's not a cause for injury, I'm not really sure what else could be. You get a divot in the in the dirt after guys running on it. The black hole is home field advantage. Well, guess what we're going to do? We're going to move the black hole and we're going to put it in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders black hole how does that sound if you don't like it it's not that far it's a it's this i think it's a six hour car drive from one to the other or it's like a 29 dollar flight if you got a good deal and if the airlines would be smart toilet clog advantage right no it's a toilet clog on both sides it's a dump there's leaking pipes everywhere go go on my article I, i've definitely detailed all this you know no one lives in vegas right wrong Wrong. 5,000 people a month move to Las Vegas. What else you got for me? The McCordys are excited. The visiting teams, this is going to be great. It's going to be a weekend trip. Would you not want to see your team play in Las Vegas? Would you not want to take a weekend trip, take a Friday off, and go see the Giants playing in, 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 uh, in Las Vegas? I think the next time the Giants are playing in Vegas is 2021, I think, or, or 2022. It won't be the first season. It won't be the inaugural season there. It's an international tourist destination. You may be able to expose, expose more people to the game. You've got people coming in from all over. I have friends that are out there. They said they'd be willing to adopt the Raiders as their team. My one friend, he, he's a big Seahawks fan. But he did say he would go to a couple Raiders games. They're the hometown team. How could you not vote for them, root for them? People are arguing over here on Periscope. Raiders would be under so many scandals when they're, you know, yeah. You know what? You need to get your mind out of, out of about that because people gamble in sports all the time. Do you play daily fantasy games? New York just tried to outlaw them. That is not a, a, a valid argument anymore. 
Because guess what? The hockey team is going there too. People gamble on hockey. It's not just exclusive to football. The Raiders will be better in Las Vegas. Definitely. They will be better in Las Vegas. And guess what? Would you not want to try to go to a Super Bowl in Las Vegas? That would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate city to host a Super Bowl. And the original plans for the stadium said that they were going to have like 65,000 seats. I think that they are going to up that number now in case of a Super Bowl. Right? I think that would be awesome. (laughs) And like I said, you would see your team in Las Vegas. No doubt you would see your team there. You would take the trip. You would go once a year or once every two years. And that's what they're counting on. It's already in motion. They've picked a site. It's right. It's going to be right by Mandalay Bay, right behind it, basically, right behind the pool area of it. They, they've tweeted photos out of this dirt lot. I mean, there's other logistical things that they have to take into consideration and, and do studies about the width of the sidewalks and the parking because there's not much parking over there. They have to definitely expand the monorail system. If you've been to Vegas, you would see that the monorail system is very infrequent. It's not as wide or as it's not equipped to deal with the crowds going to uh, a football game. And guess what? Neither was the NJ transit system when the Super Bowl was here. And that's it. I think you, I think this is going to be a great move. I can't wait for this to happen. I can't wait for Las Vegas to be a pro sports town. And I'm glad it's the Raiders that are going there as opposed to, I don't know, the Rams, the Rams would be a bust. No one's going to go anyways when they suck again, so the monorail system is fine. Wow. You are one pessimist. You still go to Jet Games? <laughs> you still go to Jet Games? That's my question to you. Jacksonville would be a bust too. Yes, I agree, Joey. Jacksonville would be a bust to move them there as well. But you have a franchise quarterback in, in their car. you got Amari Cooper. You've got the talent. You've got the names, the marketability. And just the overall, think about the Las Vegas Raiders, Pirates going to Vegas. I think they got. I think they got it. And I'm kind of wearing black today to to represent that. I, I might go buy a, a, a Raiders hat because I'm on, on board with this. Sixty minute overtime. Hurry up, offense with Danielle McCarton. In NFL news, quick note, former Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez left the Dallas Cowboys to join the Chicago Bears yesterday on a one-year deal. In MLS news, in a 2018 World Cup qualifier, the U.S. men's national team routed Honduras 6-0 behind Clint Dempsey's hat-trick in his return to Team USA. He missed all of last season due to complications with an irregular heartbeat. In spring training news, the New York Yankees beat the Toronto Blue Jays at Steinbrenner Field yesterday 6-5. Mark Deshera's replacement at first base, Greg Bird, is having himself a spring. He's batting 444 with 7 home runs and 12 RBIs. The New York Mets blanked the Atlanta Braves at Champion Stadium at Disney's Wide World of Sports Complex in Orlando. Michael Conforto and LJ Mazzilli each batted in a run. In the NHL, the Devils lost to the Carolina Hurricanes 3-1 at The Rock. The Islanders at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, lost 2-1 to the Boston Bruins. The Rangers blanked the LA Kings 3-0 last night in West Coast action late last night. Ryan McDonough, Rick Nash, and Derek Steppen each netted a goal. Ranta was a perfect 30-for-30 in the goal crease. 
In NBA news, the Nets will resume play today at 1 p.m. from the Barclays Center. They are set to take on the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks lead the season series 2-0. The New York Knicks lost their fifth straight game last night to the Antonio Spurs, San Antonio Spurs 106-98 in Texas. The Spurs' Kawhi Leonard led all scorers with 29 points. Joaquim Noah will serve a 20-game suspension for an over-the-counter substance banned by the league. The substance in question is selective androgen receptor modulator. Also of note, Phoenix Suns' Devin Booker scored 70 points Friday night against the Boston Celtics, setting a franchise record. Behind that performance, the Suns still managed to lose that game, 130-120. to And in March Madness NCAA basketball, we have... Number 7, South Carolina, taking on number 4, Florida, 220 Eastern from the Garden. And number 2, Kentucky will take on number 1, University of North Carolina at 5.05 p.m. Eastern Time. The winners of that will join Oregon and Gonzaga in the Final Four. I'm Danielle McCartan, and that's your 60-minute overtime sports update. Every four years... The best baseball players in the world compete for country, pride, and glory. The 2017 World Baseball Classic. So the World Baseball Classic, the Team USA defeated Team Puerto Rico with a score of 8-0. Team USA pitcher... He's from the Toronto Blue Jays. Marcus Stroman took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. By the way, he's a Long Island guy. He's a local dude. Uh, Team Puerto Rico had that ridiculous uh, bleach look. A couple things from this. This is sort of an open uh, open conversation about the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I'm just letting you know that Team USA is the, are, the, are the champions of the world. The members of Team USA are the champions of the world. Uh, and it wasn't even close uh, because mostly of Marcus Stroman. So, listen, there's a couple things we can uh, talk about this. First of all, that ridiculous bleached hair for Team Puerto Rico and the fact that the games end too late. Let's go first into the bleach hair thing. Team Puerto Rico, if you haven't seen it, they had that ridiculous bleached look. Like they, like Eminem, like in 1998-9, but they did it to their hair and their facial hair all included and it looked disgusting. But here's a fun fact. Listen, before we get to that, I'm all for team bonding and things like that. But, you know, even the Mets have very long hair. It's all about the team bonding. I get that. But the Mets' hair is disgusting. I'm sorry, Noah Syndergaard. I'm sorry. It's too long. And that ridiculous bleached look for the Team Puerto Rico was was ugly as well. Um... But the fun fact is that Puerto Rico, the country I've read, ran out of blonde dye or ran out of the bleach. It's it's a fad there now. It has become mainstream, the dye in Puerto Rico. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just shaking my head at that. Listen, the game, I didn't get to see the, that. Uh, I didn't get to see that. World Baseball Classic as a whole – Needs a little bit of revamping. Because we can talk about how great the games were. However, 
who can actually on the East Coast stay up till 1 a.m. on a regular basis to watch these games? Anybody with a job can't. I can't. It's on too late. It's on way too late. And I've said this about Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football. It's the same thing. We need to get a time frame that's going to be beneficial to all of your viewers in your primary market, the United States of America. It came on way too late. I did not get to enjoy the World Baseball Classic as much as I could have. They were great games, and the only reason why I got to stay up and watch that Italy game until literally 1 a.m. That was because we had a snow day at work. Adam Jones killed it. Who know? I, I don't know that because I didn't get to watch the game. I could look at the box score, but obviously that's not the same. I could watch the highlights the next day, but obviously that's not the same. So they need to have a a different system. Kids are getting ready for school. They're not watching it. Isn't the point of this to, to, to grow the game of baseball? The, the object of the World Baseball Classic is to grow the game of baseball throughout the world. So if you're not making it accessible to kids to watch the games, then, then what are you doing? Someone said they got sick staying up late and watching the games. I don't doubt it. Stay, so if you get up at 6 o'clock to go to work every day and you're up until 1, that's 5 hours of sleep. No one can function on 5 hours of sleep. And then, God forbid, the game goes in over in overtime, in extra innings. 1 a.m. becomes 1.30 a.m., becomes 2 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Come on. This needs to be fixed, but how? Well, I'm not really sure how, but what you could do is you can stagger the times of the game so that you give one in the afternoon, um, one at night, one in the evening, so that it's not the same time slot every single time. Because if you miss one game, that's fine, but you can get the next one. You you know you can get the next one. I wasn't nearly invested in the World Baseball Classic as I could have been because of the, the start times are on way too late. And then, by the way, the umpires have what I've seen in, in the Italy games that I watched. I watched, I think, three out of the four. The umpires don't have a feel for the pace of the game in Mexico. They don't have a pace the feel. They don't know how to rush the game along. Uh, challenges take forever. I mean, uh, you thought baseball was slow here in America. You, you should see it. Down in Mexico, it's even slower. This needs to be fixed. Someone, I was talking with someone that night on on Paris on uh, on Twitter. Well, someone said, "Do you think there's too many innings in baseball? You're never going to change that. There's, you just have to speed it up. Nine innings is nine innings. Do you think there's too many quarters in football? Do you think there's too many sets in tennis? That's never going to change. You just have to find ways to get around that, manipulate that. Now, I was talking with someone. I forget who it was on Twitter." on ways to, to solve the issue of the World Baseball Classic. One, my suggestion was to stagger the times. His suggestion was to not play it during spring training, but to play it in the off season, which is not a bad idea. He also suggested to take uh, a week or two off during the mid-season break, the All-Star break, give it extend the All-Star break longer. Or what you can do is in pool play, you can, you can narrow down pool play. You don't have to have four teams. You can make it less. You can have less pools. I mean, there's so many different ways we can improve upon this. Listen, the World Baseball Classic was great for, for baseball, for those that did stay up and watch it, for those in the West Coast that are able to watch every inning of every game. That's great. 
But the problem still resides among the MLB in scheduling and uh, NBA even. But those games are the, the primetime games are on Saturday night, so you can stay up and watch those games. And the NFL, they all need to look at the East Coast market because in the East Coast, you have millions of people. I, I want to venture to guess that there are more people living on the East Coast than there are on the West Coast from Maine all the way down to Florida versus Washington to the end of, I guess, California, um, Arizona down there. Uh, I want to say that there's probably more people in the Eastern time zone than the Pacific time zone or even the mountain time zone. So this is a problem that needs to be fixed so that people can enjoy these games, these exciting games, these great matchups, offensive, defensive matchups. There's just got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way to do this. And someone needs to put their thinking cap on and resolve it for when the next tournament comes around in four years. So we got South Carolina versus Florida at 2.20 p.m. I think that was a another scheduling disaster <laughs> because who thought that South Carolina was going to be playing Florida for a play-in game for the Final Four? Two very small market teams. South Carolina, I talked about it last week. We're looking for a, uh, a Cinderella team. South Carolina is that Cinderella team. And I said last week, listen, I'm all for it. Those Cinderella stories from those small schools. But except for the fact that when they defeat my bracket, when they bust my bracket, then I don't like them. Because I, I'll pull up my bracket right now. I mean, my best one is in the Capital One NCAA March Madness official bracket challenge. I'm in 84,677th, which sounds bad, but it's in the 95, 95th percentile. So I'm better than 95% of the people that, that use this particular platform. I did have Duke winning it all, which was, I thought, a surefire thing. Number two seed Duke, I had winning the national championship. But obviously, South Carolina knocked them out. So I'm a little salty for South Carolina here. It's a great story. But man, if you lost, if you lost to my team, you wouldn't be upsetting my entire bracket and my potential to go to the Final Four. <laughs> Have a trip to the Final Four ah, in Arizona. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I didn't put any money into this, so it's not like I lost anything. But all my other brackets are in one I'm in three three millionth place. This one's not so bad. But I did have Duke winning this one. So who's left? Well, we have Oregon or Oregon and Gonzaga in the Final Four. And we're going to hear from either South Carolina or Florida. I mean, South Carolina is hot. I wouldn't be surprised if they won today. Kentucky versus University of North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is the favorite by many people to win the entire thing. I think last night I saw ESPN Stats and Info tweeted out a tweet. Um, that's a good little little tool there. And they said that only like 3% of the brackets still had South Carolina moving on. South Carolina and... Who's the other team? 
No, I said that wrong. I think, I forget what it was. I think that only 3% of the brackets had Oregon and Gonzaga making it to the Final Four on their particular platform, the ESPN platform. So we'll see. What do you guys have? Who do you have? Do you have a South Carolina or Florida? And or do you have Kentucky or UNC? I'm going to go with South Carolina and UNC today. I just think uh, I just think that I don't know. I, there's never been a perfect bracket. I don't think. Uh, I'm not really sure. I, I think they screw up these seedings on purpose. What do you think? How does South Carolina, the seventh seed, get all the way this far? Like I, that always boggles me. Like. Did they do it on purpose so that they bust people's brackets on purpose? I want to know. Like, should they have really been, like, a three seed, but they, they made them seven? Obviously, there's the talent of the team. There's the gelling of the team. All, all that. There's all that. There is. But I don't know. I, I got to scratch my head. Because they're in the SEC. Maybe they truly want to win. Yeah, yeah. There's competition in the SEC. That, that's how. Hey, we got a phone call coming in. 60-minute overtime. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Andrew from uh, Plymouth, Indiana. Oh, Indiana. All right. What do you got for us today, Andrew? Uh, I was just fascinated with your uh, Duke pick. You know, <laughs> do you remember the last team that won four conference games and then went on to win six games in the tournament? I don't. It was Kemba Walker in 2011 with the Connecticut Huskies. Now, if you remember in that bracket, that Final Four was probably the weakest that we've ever seen. That was VCU, Butler, a bad Kentucky team, mm-hmm. and obviously them. And they barely got by Kentucky, and then they absolutely played a horrific game against Butler where no one scored the basketball. Um, and I, I just didn't get it from the start. I mean, I think we saw, obviously, Michigan – give it all they had, but uh, that's that's a tough go. Well, I thought, in picking Duke, the number two seed Duke, in my opinion, I thought people were going to be so heavy front-loaded on Gonzaga, heavy front-loaded on UNC. I was almost trying to pick a, a sleeper pick there with Duke. Yeah, but, you know, if, if it's not Lehigh, it, it's always someone that saying to give Duke trouble. I mean, North Carolina gets past their one, they get past their eight, they're rarely a two. You know, I just, uh, that, that, that two seed is da- a lot more dangerous than that one seed. You can kind of cakewalk to the Sweet 16. Uh, and I w- kind of wanted to have your comment about uh, Mark View as far as uh, what he's going to go up, down as a coach. I mean, I would have loved for him to have a tougher bracket because I, I think he's a great coach. But does this really cement it for him? Because you, you you beat Xavier, you had a broken bracket, you 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 know you snuck one out against Northwestern. You you didn't play well against South Dakota State. I mean, yes, that's that's what you get some years. But on their side, is that a real Final Four? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Who do you have winning the entire tournament? Uh, I took. Um, I had a poor pick. I picked sweaty Sean Miller, who's gone <laughs> in Arizona. Arizona, that was another heartbreaker too, right? Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't have picked it. You know, it, it, it's tough to actually. I mean, Michigan State did it the one year, but they just got to the Final Four. So 
hard to win the whole thing in your home state like that, you know. I think North Carolina or Kentucky, obviously, and, and that's why Vegas is Vegas, you know. <laughs> they called Kentucky several weeks ago, and everyone thought that was crazy, you know. You know, we we, we knew at the beginning of the year that this was going to be an, an up-and-down season, you know. Uh, you know, I watch the Big Ten constantly, obviously, being in the Midwest, and uh, I like I like what they gave, the effort they gave, you know, and I thought, you know, how they, how they get seated is basically, they basically take as many pieces of paper, they put them in a, you know, a little bucket and they just pick them out and then you're seated up by that, you know, they don't have actual, any, you know, hypothesis to who they pick where, you know what I mean? Because going into Sunday, it's already predetermined, you know, that Wisconsin team's not an eight seed. Minnesota, why are they? considered an underdog as a five seed in their opening matchup. But anyways, sorry. No. I'm watching too many games. No. But I, it's just, you know, the seeding and the ACC, you got one ACC team left. You got th- three SEC teams left. The hypocrisy, watching bracketology, going back and forth, taking all chalk. We know the script here. Keep Keep, keep your head on your bracket. Stay away from the bracketology stuff, and you'll have a decent bracket, you know? Yeah, you know, I've, I have a, a couple brackets. I was just sharing my best one here, but one of them, I actually just closed my eyes and just clicked, clicked, and clicked, and sometimes <laughs> sometimes you hit the lottery that way. Exactly, exactly, and, you know, you, you want to get those one seeds out early. That's where the points come in big time, you know, because if you're taking four one seeds when it comes down to the final four, and let's say to to make it, you're not going to have enough points, you know. Exactly. Even to be in the top five of your little small pool as it is. Exactly. You know? But anyways, it was nice talking to you. I just wanted to have have those comments. Yeah, of course. That, that's why they call it March Madness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and by the way, yeah, the World Baseball Classic is absolutely horrific. It's absolutely horrific. I, I've been to one of those games. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Which oh, my goodness? In which way do you mean horrific? It's horrifically boring. That 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 is that is uh, I. It's it's been good this year. I'll give it that. But in in, in past years, it, it was very reasonable to read a book. I'm totally against that with baseball. But you could have read a book during some of those games back in the day. And I don't know with the scheduling why they're doing it right now when everything's ramping up as far as basketball is concerned and real baseball is ramping up. And we're, you know, we're basically playing a territory out, you know, just below us that's, you know, in deep financial trouble. But that's for another day. But you have a good day. I appreciate talking to you. Hey, and which platform, by the way? I'm just curious. Are you watching on? Are you on Facebook or Periscope? Or? Uh, Periscope, Periscope. Periscope. All right, great. Thanks. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. I'm here every every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thank you. All right, Goodbye. thanks. Bye. That was cool. Okay, and then just, uh, yeah, I did have Duke. How is my Final Four? Not too good. As he was saying, you shouldn't really take all number one seeds. Uh, yeah, I have Kansas. I have UNC, Gonzaga, and Duke in my Final Four. So that's uh, that's not really uh, it's not really that good. But I am still in the 95th percentile, and that, that's kind of why I picked Duke. As I was just saying that I kind of wish, you know, everybody's going for the number one seeds. Everybody's gunning for those guys. And I kind of wanted to backdoor it in and, and see if we can get in with Duke. But obviously that is uh, 
not going to happen. So I thank you for the phone call. And I appreciate you checking out on, uh, on Periscope, that is. I hope you're still there. Um, and just finally today, I have one more last thing for you guys. Okay, what the f- <laughs> So the Arkansas governor, Asa or Asa Hutchinson, sealed a consign gun law. But in the original, it sounded like they forgot to work on some no gun zones into the law. Like, hello? So listen, I'm watching the news, and, and that includes stadiums and, and sporting venues. They didn't exempt them from having guns in those stadiums, in the original first draft of this law here. So I'm watching the news this morning, just the local news. In a row, stories, I see one killed, at least 14 injured at Cameo Nightclub in Cincinnati. Next story was a shooting at a movie theater in Newark. Next story, in a row consecutively, I'm not, I'm not joking, there was the standoff on the Las Vegas Strip with a SWATS team where one person was killed and it was unprovoked. They were all in a row, consecutive. So you mean to tell me that guns are allowed at a football and basketball games now in Arkansas? I think it's idiotic. Alcohol and guns don't mix. They don't mix. Just imagine someone sitting next to you just makes a mistake, accidentally fires his gun. Or the person, I should say the person behind you, accidentally fires his gun into the back of your head. You're done for doing what? For going to a game? For cheering on your team? Come on. There's fights in the stands. Has anybody been to a Yankees-Red Sox game? Has anybody been to a Giants-Cowboys game? There are fights in the stands. So listen, your player's not doing too good, you shoot him. Coaches aren't. Coaches maybe benched your favorite player, you shoot him. Angry that LeBron, Kyrie, and Love are not playing, shoot him. The player, your player drops the game-winning touchdown pass, shoot him. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious here, but... You know, after the law was passed, they went back and they had to add some stadiums and universities back into that bill. Guess who pressured them? The University of Arkansas and Arkansas State University. Then there are the gun people saying, well, it is concealed. The only thing to stop a bad person with a gun is a good person with a gun. But that goes all out the window when you add alcohol and sporting events into the equation. Accidents happen. There's 65,000. How, how, what would be the, the quickest way to incite chaos? Shoot around into the air while people are exiting a stadium. That would be, that would incite stampedes. People would be trampled. People would die. Just by idiots just from idiots. So I'm glad that the University of Arkansas and Arkansas State University stepped up on that. Uh, Hello, Governor Hutchinson. What are you thinking? Like, really? And uh, finally, the Democratic guy, uh, representative said, his name is Greg Ledding. Finally came to his senses and he said, and this is a quote, people like to have a good time before the game, during the game. People get emotional and angry during the game. I think the idea of introducing loaded weapons into these situations is just ridiculous, end quote. Thank you.
Thank you. Someone's paying attention. Someone has their thinking caps on. And not to mention, someone just said mob mentality. Not to mention, you know, you gang up. Right now, you gang up on somebody. You drop beer on their head in the, in a, in a section. But if someone's being like particularly annoying to you on a particular day or to someone on a particular day, instead of dropping beer on their head, they're going to shoot them. You're going to have homicides happening inside the stands of the stadiums. That's ridiculous. And if you ever watch a a European soccer match and they're setting fires in the stadiums and in the seats. (laughs) I should have stayed on. I could have played out. So I've got a huge reason. I don't know what that means. So anyway, so that's the, the what the F story of the day. Thank you, University of Arkansas and Arkansas State University for stepping up to the plate. And should that, that should uh, serve as a deterrent for any other state that's trying to try this, this ridiculous law. Have you ever been to a game before? Oh, or, or are you sitting behind bulletproof glass in your, in your luxury box? Are players going to have to wear uh, bulletproof padding now? Can you imagine? Under your under your helmet, you have a, a metal plate. Nah, get out of here. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. So some important dates to remember. NFL draft is April 27th. Uh, let's, let's wrap up the main topics here, and I'll give you a, a look into what's happening. Yeah, the pros will walk. That's right. The unions will definitely get involved. You're right. Uh, today's guest, we had, uh, I, I did say, I did tease this with Devin McCourty, but I'm going to save him for next week. So we did have Jason McCourty come on today. And we had a phone call from Indiana. Uh, Jason McCourty, cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. We talked about sitting your star players. The New York Jets' turbulent flight plan at quarterback. Talked a little bit about the charity event that the McCourty's and Mohamed Sanu put on that I was at this past weekend. The NFL's annual meeting tomorrow in Phoenix, Arizona. Let's go Las Vegas Raiders! And we had a World Baseball Classic open forum. Talked a little bit about March Madness. Dates to remember, the NFL Draft, April 27th. And tomorrow, the 27th of March, is the owner's meeting. Let's go, Las Vegas. Uh, And next week, I want to talk about the NFL's launching a campaign to teach players acceptable and unacceptable ways to celebrate touchdowns. Yes, that's, that's for real. I asked Mohamed Sanu about it on, on Friday night, and uh, I have that for you. And if you can't wait, you can go onto my soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan. You can find that there probably tomorrow. And on YouTube, it's a, it's a video interview, so you're going to find that on there too. Just go onto YouTube in the search bar, type Coach space M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. So that'll be for next week. Also, I'll have Devin McCourty on next week talking about Super Bowl 51, the Las Vegas Raiders, playing in Vegas, um, and a bunch of other topics um, relating to the Patriots and, and that sort of thing. In that, very interesting, there was a video bomb by Mohamed Sanu. And I just thought it was a, uh interesting juxtaposition. I can never say that word. Juxtaposition. Juxtaposition <laughs> of a winner and loser of the Super Bowl in the same interview with me. And you'd be surprised to, to see. You'd think there would be bad blood between the two of them. You'd be surprised, I think. And uh, that's a cool. So if you can't wait till next Sunday to see that, that's also on my SoundCloud and on my YouTube channel. Again, prosportsrundown.com. Those of you guys on Periscope, great interactive today. We even got a caller from Periscope at Coach MCCARTAN. I did the YouTube already, SoundCloud I did. Uh, on demand, 
I'm going to turn this into a podcast sometime by the end of today. So you can find that on iTunes if you have an iPhone. Uh, Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, on there. Tune in radio. It's under the show's name, 60-Minute Overtime. And finally, play.google.com for you Android users. It's just Coach McCartan, one word in a row. And this is video simulcast on uh, Periscope and on Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Thanks for everybody checking in this week. Appreciate the uh, the commentary. And uh, and I'll, I'll have back two great guests for you next week, Sanu and Devin McCourty. And uh, it was great. So thank you. Thanks for checking me out. And uh, I'll see you next week. Same time, same place, 11 a.m. on Sunday. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday. 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.